0: This podcast is brought to you by GovInfoSecurity.com, the leading online publication for risk management and security professionals within federal, state, and local government agencies.
1: Hello, I'm Executive Editor Eric Chabro, and this is GovInfoSecurity.com's Week in Review for the week ending Friday, March eleventh, two 2011. This week, we're going to look at one story, WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks, of course, refers to the disclosure last fall of a quarter million confidential diplomatic cables allegedly downloaded by Army PFC Bradley Manning onto compact discs from a computer in Iraq linked to CIPRNET, the Defense Department's secure network. The Government Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs held a hearing on Thursday to get answers on how the breach occurred and what steps are being taken to prevent such a breach again. The committee's ranking Republican member, Senator Susan Collins, asked why would a Defense Department network contain diplomatic cables. Here's how Patrick Kennedy, the State Department's Undersecretary for Management, answered that question.
2: Several years ago, the Department of Defense and the intelligence community came to the State Department and said, we need the State Department, and actually they paid for it, to push out reporting to Cipernet and to load a number of our cables onto a Defense Department database that would be accessible to Defense Department people. So in response to their request, we took a selected element of our cables and pushed those out to the Department of Defense's database. To be blunt, we believe in the interest of information sharing that it would be a grave mistake and a danger to the national security for the State Department to try to define in each and every one of the 65 agencies that we share our reporting analysis with, to say that Private Smith should get this cable Lieutenant Jones should get that cable. Commander X should get that cable. The policies that have been placed between the State Department and other agencies for many years is we provide this information to the other agency. The other agency then takes on the responsibility of controlling access by their people to the material that we provide to them.
1: Low on a secured network, the database containing the diplomatic cables was not protected by a password. Thomas Ferguson is the Defense Department's principal Deputy Undersecretary for Intelligence, and he testified that another reason the breach occurred is that the military applies different security rules in battle zones than it does stateside.
2: A lot of the systems there are, for lack of a technical term, cobbled together, and placing those kinds of systems on there, they're not all equal, it's sort of a family of systems there. It's not just like working for Bank of America where they have one homogenous system and they can insert things and take things out as it works. You have multiple systems, And putting in new intrusion softwares or monitoring tools and so forth, you have to approach each system differently. And that's part of the problem. So basically, to get away from that, they took on the risk of saying, look, these people are cleared. They go through background investigations. And frankly, most of our focus was worried about outside intruder threat, not inside
1: threat. When we return, we'll hear from Defense Chief Information Security Officer Terry Takai on steps being taken to prevent such a breach again.
0: Are you responsible for your agency's regulatory compliance program? Do cybercrime, data breaches, or endpoint security keep you up at night? Do you have any certifications which require continuing professional education credit hours? The solution to your problems may be the govinfosecurity.com educational webinar library. You'll find plenty of courses that align with your core responsibilities. Visit govinfosecurity.com for more information on how to access these webinars.
1: Welcome back. We're reporting this week on a Senate hearing on the WikiLeaks breach. At the hearing, Defense CIO Terry Takai says preventing a WikiLeaks-style breach the attention of the top officials at the Pentagon.
3: Inside Department of Defense this is an item that is high on the secretary's list and we provide ongoing reports to him from the standpoint of the technology mitigation efforts uh, both to he and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff regarding our progress so there is significant oversight there is significant guidance in terms of making sure that we are taking care of this and we are following on to the commitments that we've made both from a technology perspective and working With mr ferguson's area in terms of making sure that the policies are updated from
1: a technology perspective dod is implementing a host-based security system or hbss to detect anomalous behavior of individuals who download information from the network it's doing so in three ways
3: One is from a device perspective, A host-based security system detects if in fact a computer does have a device, information can be downloaded so that we can validate that and ensure that it is a part of the 12% of those computers that we believe need that information in the field. The second thing that we're doing is to look at what we call an audit extraction module to follow on to Senator Collins' question around how do we have the information and the analytics to see where for those that have that ability, we are seeing anomalous behavior, and we can catch it at the time it occurs. And we're currently in testing. That software is integrated with HBSS, and we will be then moving ahead to roll that out across DOD. The third thing that we are moving forward on, as you mentioned, Senator Collins, is around a really a role-based process. Um, we're going to be implementing PKI identification, similar to our current CAT cards that we have on our non-classified network. And to all. All of the DoD users and what that will do is give us an opportunity over time to refine what information individuals have access to. Sheer access to CIPRANET for instance in this case we will be able to by looking at each individual database take it down to what information that individual needed uh, as opposed to having the network completely open.
1: Dakai said implementing all the fixes to CIPRANET can't be done at once. For instance, she said producing the needed half-million controlled access cards in a trusted environment takes time. Distributing the cards, software, and readers isn't simple either, considering Supernet extends to isolated locations around the globe, such as ships at sea. Takai says she expects the last computers on the network won't be fitted with card readers and software until mid-2013. That's it for this week. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening, enjoy your weekend, and have a great week ahead. <laughs>
0: This podcast has been brought to you by govinfosecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.govinfosecurity.com.